0: Welcome again, my name is Eric. If you don't know me, I'm the lead pastor here at Impact, and we are um, in part two, week two of our series about the Book of Romans. So, um, if you um, were able to, or if you if you have not yet, make sure you bring your Bibles. This, especially this entire series, but I recommend you bring it every week. But if you have uh, if you have your Bibles, your Bible apps, open up to Romans chapter uh, eight is where we're going to be kind of sticking with the whole time. And what I what I like about this series, and what's I'm um, about this series, is that all of our weekly small groups, which just started this week, all of our weekly groups are also going through um, the Book of Romans together. So, um, all of our weekly groups are doing that. If you have not signed up for one, and you're. And you're interested, uh, you can still do that. All our groups started this week, but you can still sign up for one. Um, it's not too late to do that, so I recommend you do that. You have not. And one of our groups actually has an event coming up, our student group. Where's Nathaniel? Is he, did he, where's he at? There he is. There's Nathaniel. Raise your hand higher. I'm to look at him. That, he leads our student group, and uh, our student group is going to uh, Get Air uh, Trampoline Park, on February 20th, and so if you're interested, that's a Thursday, if you are a student or you have a student, middle school or high school, I encourage you to um, talk to Nathaniel, that's the man right there, um, 20 bucks, right, that's all it is, I think, okay, so, um, so uh, if you're interested in doing that, or if you're just an adult that wants to <laughs> jump on trampolines, um, go on another day, okay, don't go that day, <laughs> okay, um, so again, we're doing our series, The Book of Romans, and last week I talked to you about how um, I was bold when I was pursuing Erica, my wife. Um, but I am not the boldest person in my family. In fact, there's uh, someone in my family that is way bolder than I am, and it's my sister. Where, there she, she is right there. <laughs> so I, I was asking for some stories of, of some of my family members being bold, because I can be bold at times, but I'm not always bold. Like, if I get an order wrong at, when I'm, like, order something, it's, I have to, it has to be really wrong for me to say something. I, I get nervous about it. But my sister, on the other hand, is very bold. In fact, she's so bold that she told me three stories that I couldn't believe actually are true. And she's allowed me to tell you this. Well, I didn't ask her, but she, she's here. No, I'm going to say it. Here's some of the examples of how bold my sister has been in her past. Um, one time she was getting her nails done. And correct me if I'm wrong with anything I say, okay, Jessica? Um, one time she's getting her nails done. And when you get your nails done, supposedly they massage your feet at some point. And um, the person did not massage her feet. And Jessica paid for that. So she said, hey, you need to massage my feet. She said, no, I already did. She said, no, you didn't. You need to massage it. So she made this poor woman <laughs> massage her feet out of, and she, she knew she was all mad. She's like, you're going to do it anyways. So that's, that's my sister. Um, she uh, one time went out to dinner with uh, my, my wife, and my wife ordered a pizza with tomatoes. And when it came, it was cherry tomatoes or something like that. And it was the wrong type of tomatoes. She's like, "Ah, that's fine, I'll just eat it. And it just like, no, we're going to take, take care of this. She had, she had the waiter come over. She yelled at the waitress, and the waitress got mad. And then they found out later that Erica accidentally ordered the wrong type of tomatoes. The waitress was right and brought the right ones, but Jessica was standing up for her. They also found a hair in the food, thankfully, so they had something to yell about. But the worst one I ever heard that my sister did, some of you in shock that this is in my family. Um, she was at the movies, and... Somebody was on her phone, their phone, the whole time, which is annoying, right? So my sister wanted to do something about that. The only thing she could think to do was throw popcorn at the back of her head. This is a stranger, the back of her head, until she eventually got up and stared you down for like a good couple minutes. Oh, I, I imagine until the phone's gone. So if you ever need someone to go to bat for you and fight for you, don't ask me. Okay? My sister's a lot bolder than I am. Yeah, that's what it is. So in this series, we're, we're talking about how we should be bold in our faith, because this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, that we should be bold in our faith. So when Paul is writing this letter to the church in Rome, he is giving us the, the most complete gospel message that we have. There's plenty, we can find the gospel plenty of times in the Bible, but the book of Romans is the most complete one that we have. So throughout this book, he's, he's talking a lot about in chapters one through four, which we we've covered last week, um, he was talking about God's righteousness, which we talked about last week. If you we did not hear that one, I recommend you listening back. In chapters five through eight, which we'll be covering today, he's God, uh, Paul's talking about God creating a new humanity. So really quick review because we don't have time to cover every chapter, but here's what happens in Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, Paul is talking about justification by faith creates a new humanity. And he, and he contrasts the idea of Adam as in the first man, which also represents the sinful nature of humankind, our nature. Contrasting that with Jesus, which was the perfect human. Contrasting that in, the, in Romans chapter 5 and how Jesus, through faithful obedience, uses sacrificial love to show us grace. Then in Romans 6, Paul talks about how um, when you choose to follow Jesus, what you are doing is you are leaving your old humanity, or we can even say the old Adam, behind to enter into this new identity in Christ. That's what we are doing. And he talks about baptism, which we have baptism service coming up in two weeks, and I highly want to recommend, if if that is your next step, here's what we believe. We believe that it is the next step you take after salvation, that um, it is our way of telling the world, there's nothing magical about The tub, there's nothing magical about the water. The water is going to be from one of these faucets, right? There's nothing magical or or special about the water. What it is, it's a representation of you saying, I am dying to my old self, and I'm entering into this new way of living. So if that is you, and and that's your next step, I highly recommend you talk to myself, talk to Frank or Michelle, talk to Lauren, talk to any of the host team. So we want to help you with that next step. We're going to be doing that in two weeks. Then in Romans, in Romans chapter um, chapter 7, Paul talks about the law. And what he's talking about, is he's talking about the laws in the Torah, which you'll find in the Old Testament. Um, the, the law was made up from, first it was the Ten Commandments, and then they made 613 different commands that the Israelites had to follow in order to be, follow God's will. And he's not saying that the law is bad. He actually says the law that it is good. The only problem with the law is that it did not help the Israelites be more like God. All it did was give them a lot more ways to not be like God and to rebel against God. It was meant to be guidelines and, and restrictions so that way you can be in, in God's holy will. Then it turned into just a bunch of other ways that now the Israelites can, can fail in following God. And here's how Paul says it. I love, I love this, this verse. It's, uh, in chapter 7, here's how Paul says it about himself when it comes to the law. He says, we know, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I, I do not want to do. That is what I keep doing. How if I, what, now what? sorry. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. That, that is just an amazing passage to me, because it, like, really, I can really relate to that. I'm constantly doing what I want. I am not doing what I should be doing, and the things that I'm like, man, I wish I, could, I was doing this all the time. I'm not doing that, but yet, things I don't want to do, I constantly keep doing. Like, I want to be patient with my kids, but yet, all the time, I'm not, I'm not patient with them. I, I don't want to get angry with my wife, but at times I get angry. I don't want to be selfish, but very often I am. Why is that? Why do I constantly, it's just me, why do I constantly do the things that I don't want to be doing and the things I don't want to be doing, I keep doing? That's what Paul is asking. Why is that? Why do we constantly do that? And Paul says it's because of our sinful nature. Because of our sinful nature. Continuing on to verse 21, Paul continues. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this leads us perfectly right into chapter eight, which we'll be talking about a lot today. In chapter eight, here, here he's telling us the solution of this problem. The problem that we have this sinful nature and that this sinful nature cannot follow the law that God gave us. What do we do with that sinful nature? It says, thanks be to God. He gives us a solution. Here's what chapter eight tells It tells us three things. The first one it tells us is this. Our punishment is complete. Our punishment is complete. Um, I have three kids. You guys know that if you've been here. Um, I have three kids. and um, Brooklyn and Savannah are very close in age. Uh, which is a very good thing and a very bad thing at the exact same time. It's good because they play together all the time and they can go downstairs, they can keep themselves entertained so Eric and I don't have to play Barbies all day because that's all they want to do. Um, but it's bad because they're not good at playing together and they fight constantly. Uh, they'll come up and they'll say that one of them hit the other one, the other one will be yelling at them saying, no, do it this way, no, you're supposed to say this. That happens like, on a daily basis, two or three times a day. It's all the time, it's all we're constantly doing. So at times, we give them a punishment. And the biggest punishment we give them that works the best is timeout. We get them timeout a lot. So we take them to the room, and we say, hey, all right, time for timeout. They are devastated. We don't have any, I know some of you guys have kids that they don't care. They're like, oh, we'll go to timeout, it's fine. Our kids are devastated about timeout. They go to the room, they sit there for as long as we decide, or as long as we need them to for our sanity, mostly. Eventually, we call them back down, and we get down to their level, and we say, okay, why were you in timeout? And they have to tell us why we put them in timeout so they understand Uh, what the punishment was for. Then when they go say sorry, and then it's over. Don't bring it up anymore. It's done. Because they had a punishment. They completed their punishment. The punishment is over. There's no reason for us to keep bringing it up. It'd actually be cruel for Erica and I to keep bringing up that punishment, wouldn't it? Or keep bringing up that thing that they already paid for. Imagine if um, Brooklyn hit Savannah, and the next day I was like, hey, Brooklyn, remember when you hit Savannah and we sent you a timeout? That was terrible what you did. That was terrible. Or Savannah, remember when you took the one Barbie Brooklyn had on purpose so that she would get really mad at you and you didn't care and it made Brooklyn punch you in the face and you manipulated the whole situation in the beginning? Do you remember that? Did you do that a couple days ago? That was one of the worst things you've ever done. Or Noah, hey, remember last month when you were in your crib and you took your diaper off in your crib and took the contents of that diaper and put it everywhere? <laughs> On you, on the crib, on the walls, in places we didn't know existed. You put it everywhere. Remember that, Noah? Terrible. That was the worst. We would not do that, right? All those are true, by the way. We would not do that. Why? That would be cruel of us. They, we punish them. Once punished, We didn't punish Noah for the poop thing. But we punish them. Once a punishment is complete, it is over. It is done with. We do not have to talk it anymore because it is over. Our punishment for the sins that we do is complete. It is paid for. We no longer need to worry about it because it is over. Here's how, here's how Paul says it in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Here's what's kind of interesting about this verse. Uh, if you have your Bible, some of you didn't have that, that second part, who do not live according to the sinful nature. Nature, but according to the Spirit. Depending on what um, translation you read, it has it, some some has it, some doesn't. So here's why for some translations they have this, and some, some translations they do not. For some of you it has a comma after Christ Jesus, and it continues on in the same verse. But the second part is not there. They actually grab the second part of this verse in verse four. Let's go to verse four. It says, In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit almost the same type of verbiage. So here's what many scholars believe, and here's why some Bibles do not have that part. See, in the the New Testament times, you would pass these letters along by handwriting them. You would handwrite these, these letters and pass along, and somebody else would copy that one. Um, people would copy it. And when, there, when humans are copying things, there are times where there can be errors, right? It's just natural. There's remarkably few in the New Testament, but this is one that, that some scholars believe. That's why it's not in some of your translations, that this was a human error. It's called a copyist error. is what scholars call it, copyist error. So here's what they believe, and we don't know this for sure, but here's what they believe because they found earlier transcripts. They believe that somebody was, was writing Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It wasn't called 8, verse 1 they're just writing this again, and they saw that part, and at some point, what they believe is that, like, you know what, we need to make sure that they understand that it's complete through Christ Jesus, but, but you also have to do some stuff. So we're going to take verse four and just write it in the margins. So they understand the context. We don't want them to think that you can just go sin all you want. God got to understand that. So eventually, someone wrote it in the margins, and over time, as it gets copied more and more and more and more, eventually, that worked its way into verse one. And some of your Bibles, some of your translations have that verse. But the earliest manuscripts do not have that. And you might say, okay... Why does that matter? Here's why it matters. Here's what it should say. Here's what Paul wrote. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, period. That's it. There's no added on. There's no clause, except when you do this. You've got to make sure you do this, period. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, period. And you might say, okay, Eric, who really cares? Why, why does that even matter? Here, here's why that matters. When we add that clause, do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. When we add that clause, we make it about what we do. When you take that clause away, which is what Paul wrote, make it about what he did. That's a very, very important distinction. You do not face the condemnation of your sins, of your crimes, and of my crimes because of Jesus Christ alone. Period. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Notice it doesn't say that there are no mistakes those who are in Christ Jesus. We make mistakes, right? It doesn't say that there are no failures for those who are in Christ Jesus. We, there's, we fail all the time. It doesn't say there are no consequences for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because what sin really is, sin is something that we should not be doing because it hurts us. That's why God doesn't want us to do it. So when we do things that constantly hurt us, there will be consequences. We're going to have to face some of that, right? That just makes no sense. It, that happens. But there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are not condemned. Do you ever, uh, you know what double jeopardy is? It's a court term, it's a trial term. Here's what double jeopardy is. Um, if somebody goes on, tr- on trial and they are found guilty of something, or even found innocent, the court system rules, and let's say they f- they're found guilty for a crime and they, they go to jail for, for 10 years. When they get out of jail, they can't be put on trial again for the same exact crime. Why? They already paid the punishment. Punishment is complete. It's over. listen. The punishment was paid. You didn't pay it, but it was paid. That's important to understand. And because the punishment is paid, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, period. Your punishment is done. It's done. Number two, because our punishment is done, our power is increased. Our power is increased. What are some of the things in your life that give you power? If you're here and you're an extrovert like I am, Um, People give you power. Like, you need to be around people. And just because you're shy doesn't mean you're not an extrovert, right? Like, I can have shy moments, um, but I'm an extrovert. I like to be around people. I I don't want to be at home by myself. If Erica is busy that night or working late, I I call a friend because I need someone there to hang out with me. Even just watching TV, I just want to be around people. I'm an extrovert. My wife, on the other hand, is not. She's an introvert. She's very personable. She is very friendly. She's friendlier than I am most of the time, but she's an introvert. That means that she is fueled by being by herself, that she needs time to be by herself. Some of you are extroverts, some of you are introverts. That's how you're fueled. That's the power you get. Um, one time, we had a small group at our house, and my wife had to work really late. So she got, she got to our house when the small group was just ending, like 8.30. We knew she wasn't going to be there. She got there and said, hey, how's it going? Had a really long day, really hard day at work. She went right upstairs to, to uh, her room because she just kind of needed to get away. So I went up and checked. Cause I'm a good husband. I was like, hey, Erica, how, you, how's everything going? She was like, oh, just a long day, I don't want to talk to anyone right now. I said, I get it, I'll, I'll make sure they leave soon. But here's, let me tell you what happened this morning. no, 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 you don't understand, Eric. I don't want to talk to anyone right now. I said, oh, that's me. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow, Eric. But for some of you, that you need that, quantum. it fuels you. Some of you, it's like certain books or movies or songs that will pump you up, that gives you the power. When you accept Jesus' sacrifice to pay for your punishment, Your power increases because you are now given the Spirit. That's what Jesus says. We are now given the Holy Spirit. Here's what Paul says, continuing on, verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of a sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in a sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. And In those, in those uh, three verses, um, the word law is mentioned four times. It's mentioned a bunch of times there. And here, Paul is talking about the law in two different ways. Here's how he's talking about it. First thing in verse two, uh, he's talking about the law as in the law of sin or the law of the spirit, as in a general principle, Right? We understand that. It's like, think of the law of gravity, right? It's not a law we follow. It's just, that's just life, right? That there is a, there's a general principle, it, something that influences something else. So in verse two, he's talking about that. And then he continues on talking about the law. And instead of that, he's talking about the Mosaic Law, as we talked about earlier, the 10 commandments, the 613 commands that you needed to follow. And so he kind of switches to that part. The law is in the governing principle of our sinful nature, is, makes it impossible for us to follow the Mosaic Law. Because of our sinful nature, our selfish nature, we cannot follow. We can try all we want, but we're eventually going to fail when it comes to that because we are born with sin, unless there is another law that supersedes it. Think of it this way. There's a the law of gravity, right? If I jump, I'm going to fall. If we drop something, it's going to fall down, right? Because that's, we can't do anything about it. There, there's a the law of gravity. That is always present. But there's other laws that supersede the law of gravity, right? Like a plane can fly, right, because of Newton's law of motion, so a and flight, fly. So that law of gravity isn't gone now. It's just there's another law that supersedes it. Listen, we are all bound to the sinful nature of our flesh. We are all bound to that where we cannot follow God. But there is another law that supersedes it. That's the law of our spiritual nature. See, when we accept Jesus, we are given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is something that isn't talked about a lot in church. And I understand why because it it feels weird to talk about it like, like that that we all have the Spirit of God inside of us. But we really should talk about it more because it is equal parts to everything. It is God. There's God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are all three equal. There's no difference between all three of them. And, and the Spirit is equal parts God. He advocates for us. He lives in us. He gives us the power that we need to walk. The Holy Spirit indwells and empowers every believer. Here's what Jesus says. He said it's actually more important the Spirit's here instead of He's here. Here's what He says in John 16, verse 7. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Here's what Jesus is saying. It's better for us that we have the Spirit dwelling inside of us than it would be if Jesus was in this room right now. That's a pretty major statement. I mean, personally, I'd rather have Jesus here. I didn't ask Him things. He said, no, it's better for you that the Spirit's here because the Spirit is dwelling inside of you. Spirit was important to the life of Jesus. And now we have the opportunity to not have the Spirit with us, but we have the opportunity to have the Spirit in us. The Spirit comforts us, it helps us, it guides us, it reminds us, it teaches us, it counsels us, it advocates for us. So here's what, I, what I've learned over time. You cannot love your neighbor the way that we are called to love our neighbor on your own. You need the Spirit to power you through, because some of our neighbors are hard to love. Some of the people in our life are hard to love. We need the Spirit to guide us, because on our own, we cannot love those people. You cannot disciple people the way we're called to disciple people alone, but you're not alone. You have the Spirit of God inside of you that is working in you, that is working through you. You cannot be who God called you to be by yourself. You need the Spirit who is in you. You are not alone don't take it for granted. You have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. That is power. That leads us to number three. Our our practice is different. We have the power, our power is increased because of the Spirit. The result of that is our practice is different. Because we have the power of God living inside of us, our practice and our behavior should be different. How could it not be? If we had the Spirit of God in us, how can we have the presence of God living inside of us yet we act exactly like someone who doesn't? It's not possible. It's not possible for that to happen. Our practice and our behavior is different because we have a different guide leading us, different direction, away from our sinful nature and towards Him. So Paul says it, verse five. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature de- desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Here's a question that I I asked myself this week, and I'm going to ask you. You're here, and you would say that you're a follower of Jesus. How are you different from anyone else? question we need to ask. I've been asking myself that. Your friends that you have in your life or the family members you have in your life that, that aren't followers of Jesus, how are you different than them? Are you different than them? Do you talk the same way that they do? Do you act the same way that they do? Do you watch, listen to everything that they do? Are we different? And now let me make, make this perfectly clear. We are not different out of pride. We don't, don't act different because we think we're better, because we are not better. When we do that, we don't understand the gospel. We act differently because we have the Spirit guiding us in a different direction. And if we aren't acting differently, we should really ask ourselves, are we different? Are we? See, we act differently because we have the Spirit dwelling inside of us. You are guided by a different desire. You are guided by a different set of rules. You are guided by something different. Paul continues on the last couple of verses we're going to look at. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. The Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you Give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. You are able to live differently and have a different practice because the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is dwelling inside of you. That's why we're able to do that. But here's what some of us do, and I know it's because this is what I do at times. We crave acceptance so badly that we pretend like he's not there because we want to be accepted. So we push it down, and we push that power down, because we want to be accepted by everybody, we don't want to look differently, we don't want people to look at us differently, like, you don't watch that, why don't, you don't don't listen, you don't, why do you do that that way? So we crave acceptance so desperately, that for a lot of us, we have the spirit, we go, yeah, but just keep it down, okay? Like, I I, I still want to do my own thing, because I want to be accepted, and thank you for forgiving me. And here's what that's like. Imagine um, I pull out my phone, the new iPhones now are like, $4,000, Four thousand dollars it feels like they're really expensive, right? Imagine I have a phone, iPhone or whatever phones you have. Um, and we went through all the things that an iPhone can do, or your phone can do. You can text, you can call, you can, you can Skype people from the other side of the world. You can, you can go online, you can work from there, you can do emails. You can do so many things. You can listen to music, podcasts. There's uh, so many different things you can do on this one phone. Imagine I spent a thousand bucks for the brand new iPhone. And all I did with it was check the time. Yeah, okay, it's eleven o'clock. Okay, that's all I did. You'd be like, "That's a waste. Why would you spend a thousand bucks? Why you have? There's so many more capabilities this phone can do. Why you only checking? You don't need that. You don't need that. Check the phone. Check to check time. For some of us." We have the Spirit and the power of the Spirit that guides us to be better people, that takes a, that pushes us away from our sinful nature, that makes us better, not because we can do it, but because the Spirit is dwelling inside of us. It's a small whisper that speaks to us. But for a lot of us, we're letting that power and pushing it down because we want to be accepted by the world. It's not what we're called to do. You have the power of God in you. Use it. Use that power. That power indwells you, it is inside of you, it can lead you in amazing directions. You might be here and you don't think you can get past that addiction that you're currently in. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's that addiction of things you're looking at late at night. Maybe it's addiction to a substance. Maybe it's addiction to food. And you don't feel like you can get past that addiction. Now, I want to tell you something, on your own you can you might not be able to. You might be able to find some good things to do it, but you are not alone because you have the power of God inside of you. Stop trying to do it by your own strength and use the strength that is inside of you to move past it. it doesn't mean we're not going to need to seek help. It doesn't mean that we uh, just let the Spirit do it. It means that we allow the Spirit to guide us in the right direction so we can get past our addictions. You don't think you can change your habits. You can, because you have the power of the Spirit living inside of you that is guiding you and making you look more like Jesus. You just need to follow its lead. Stop pushing it down and not using the power and allow that power to push you, make you better. You might not feel like you can get past the pain of your past. You have that past that you're hurting from, that you're still trying to deal with. You have that inside of you. You don't feel like I can ever get past it. This is gonna be a weight that's on my shoulders for the rest of my life. It doesn't have to be. You allow the spirit to guide you. You can get past it because you are not doing it by your own strength. You're doing it with the strength spirit. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul tells us, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It's the power of God. Some of us need to unlock that power. So we're going to sing a closing song. And for you, there's so many different people in the room. I don't know what it looks like for you to unlock the power of the spirit that's inside of you i don't know what it is For some of you like we talked about earlier it might be baptism that might be the way that you take that first step something you've never done maybe you're afraid to be in front of people maybe um, you're just not sure if that should be your next step that is a great way to take that first step But you know what I want to unlock that power. I want to stop living in my sinful nature. And that is literally the act of dying to your sinful nature and coming back in the presence of God, living in the presence of the Spirit. That's what it represents. So for some of you, that might be your next step, to go public with your, with your faith through baptism. But for the rest of you, how can we unlock the power? What do we do to unlock the power? Because it is the, the power of God that gives us salvation everyone who believes so as we sing this song I want you just to pray about listen to these lyrics I want you to pray about what that next step for you is how you can unlock that power how you can move further and go along with the spirit and let the spirit guide you because it is the power that saves we should be bold in our faith because of the power that we have Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you for the power of salvation, that free gift that you offer to us, that we don't have to be perfect, we don't have to perfectly follow the law. In fact, we know we can. not You came to us, you indwell in us, You saved us. God, help us to not take your grace for granted. To not take the Spirit for granted. Help us to utilize that power that you gave us to get past our addictions, to get past our past, to move more towards the calling you have for our life, to move more towards Looking like you. And thank you for being the God that is continually working in us and working through this world, working in this world through us. Help us to take that step. Step to unleash the power of you in our lives. In your son's name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing God